dark consumer. This is the, the start of their journey into finance and into credit. And we really view ourselves as like a starter product, you know, a training wheels essentially for credit. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antuano with Currency Cloud. And today I'm happy to have Charlie Joachim from Sezzle. Charlie, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. And Charlie's been uh, well versed in the, in the payments landscape for some time now. And you know we're happy to have him on the show to give him his experience and listen to our listeners. And Charlie, if you could, to, to start off, for our listeners, could you give a, a brief background about your, your history, where you've been, and, and what you know, brought you to create the product at Sezzle? Yeah, sure. So my background is really in tech entrepreneurship, and especially in the payment space. I started my last company in 2010. It was a company called Passport, or still is called Passport. And we built mobile apps, for, for first for parking, and then eventually for transit installations, for basically big city installations. We did Park Chicago, Park Boston, the Green Pea in Toronto, and a bunch of other cities across the U.S. And then from that point on, I moved on from Passport. They're still growing at a pretty rapid rate and started Sezzle, another company in the payment space. But with a little bit of a different twist, we're in the retail payment space. And our mission is really around financial empowerment of young consumers because we noticed that based on the, you know starting with the downturn in the economy, millennials are young Consumers here in the U.S. have really gotten the rough end of the stick and are really lacking purchasing power. And so we built a solution that helps enable those consumers and then at the same time help the merchants that they want to shop with because those merchants are also negatively affected by the lack of purchasing power for that group. And so that's what we're doing at Sezzle and that's my background. So how how does it actually work? I mean, for our listeners, so you you have uh, I know you're you're giving finances to the consumers based for the merchant. So are you guys actually the lender in that uh, in that flow? Yeah, essentially we're the lender in most cases. It depends on a state-by-state basis, but in most cases, or for all intents and purposes, we're the direct lender to the consumer. And it's an interest-free loan. And so the idea is these young consumers haven't gotten access to credit cards in the same way that prior generations have. And we think that that's not working properly. And so our thoughts are, let's give these consumers a, a look and give them essentially a starter line with us. And based on their behavior within the product, we can increase their limits essentially behind the scenes. And it's interest-free because the analogy I always give is that we're trying to attract the younger version of me. And so like when I was 18 years old and on college, on my college campus, I got a credit card for the first time. And I thought I was prime, even though I'm sure I was subprime by their estimations. But because I thought I was prime, I would have never paid a dime for interest. And that's the type of consumer we're trying to attract is a, I call them prime to be. And is that a decision that's made at the time of the checkout or do you have to do some underwriting and, and it takes some time? No, it's all you know done in seconds. So when a customer comes through our checkout, they essentially set up an account like they would with PayPal. It's phone number and PIN is how they basically identify themselves in the system. And then they give us a little bit of information about themselves. I mean, pretty limited. And then we are able to do some you know more traditional checks and then some non-traditional checks on the user. And you know, based on what we can find, we give... Just about everyone, some sort of initial starter line to get them out of the gates with us. And then it's really just based on behavior from that point forward. 
And you said that, you know, obviously you were looking to see something of, of your younger self. So are you seeing that the, the younger consumers, I guess, across the board are, are less likely to use credit or a credit card? And they're more likely to, to, to have a different option to make payments? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we see that through our data. So in the data we pull in, we're able to see that younger consumers don't have credit cards as, you know, in as high volumes as older generations. But not only that, there are some attitude differences. When we survey our customer base and talk to them about our product, we see a lot of them basically saying that they love the aspect that, you know, that we don't get them in trouble like a credit card could. And I think that's the negative attitude they have towards credit cards as a whole is potentially that they could see it as a, a little bit of a debt trap. And so that's one area that we, we know is attractive about our product to these younger consumers. But we also think that our consumer, this is the, the start of their journey into finance and into credit. And we really view ourselves as like a starter product, you know, a training wheels essentially for credit. Yeah. And we're seeing that across the board, you know, landscape, you have companies like Acorns and Stash on the investing side. It seems like you're, you're kind of doing that on the credit side to really introduce them to this new world rather than having them jump into the deep end, you know, going you know, with larger credit cards and, and really getting into trouble at an earlier age. I mean, that seemed like that's an easier transition to get a hold of what it actually is and, and get experience using that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the one thing we have in our favor or in the alignment of the product is unlike credit cards, where if someone gets stuck in a, in a situation where they can't pay and get stuck and do like a interest trap, the only thing that happens with consumers that use our product is they essentially get, can't use it until they fix it. So they get us like a slight fee, like our, our biggest fee is a $10 fee. For a consumer if they can't make a payment and they can't, the biggest i think the biggest downside is they can't use the product until they fix it and so that's it limits the downside of using it right and then the advantage from the merchant side is that they're getting the experience for them is that they're still receiving the funds instantly as it would be a, a full checkout yeah with merchants we are treated like a normal payment method so they're paid up front minus our fee and for them it's all about driving conversion and driving additional sales. So these consumers, they're looking at a $200 jacket online and they, you know, if they didn't have the option to use Sezzle, they would be thinking, oh, I'll, I'll come back in a couple of weeks. And then the merchants kind of know what that means. It's 20% chance they come back you know, or something like that. Yeah. And, and for, that when they see Sezzle, they basically change their mind and, and think, oh, Sezzle's helping me budget this out so I don't have to wait. I'll budget it out and I'll get it today and I'll pay for it over time. And so that's, I think for the merchant, they know that the conversion on the spot is the most important thing. And that's where we help. And what have you seen as far as the increase in conversion at, at cart checkout? Because obviously that's one of the key differentiators between payments companies is to be able to enhance conversions at the cart uh, checkout point of view. So where are you seeing you guys fit within that landscape? Yeah, so we're right now we're doing around 12% of sales at the merchants that we can get clear insight into. And that's actually the, uh, a large percentage of our, of our merchants where we can see the, the data that we need to, to understand where we fit into their payments landscape. And so it's 12% of sales, which we think is pretty significant. But the way we kind of narrow it down is we've also surveyed our consumer base and asked them their attitudes towards the product and their decision-making. And eight, it's a pretty large response rate. We have around 400 responses, some of the users of the product. And 85% of them said they wouldn't have made the purchase without our product. And so when you look at that, I always kind of do the math and it's a 10% sales lift for the merchants that add us. Yeah, that's a, that's a high percentage, you know, especially that, you know, you're attracting the, the brand itself as well. Uh, you did mention it, it, it determines uh, state by state. So I'd like to dive into that a little bit uh, based on the lending side of things. 
So how does it work um, as you work on the state by state? Do you have specific licenses in each state and then the other ones you leverage off of a partner or how, do, how does that work here in, in the U.S.? Yeah, we're currently in like a tweener stage right now as a company because of the way we started. So in 10 states, we have we do retail installment lending, essentially, where the merchant initiates the essentially this loan with the customer and then they transfer it to us. And then in the other states, uh, we're a direct lender. But our goal is to register the 10 states so that we can get the merchant out of the equation and be a direct lender there, too. It's just it's just time for us just to, to get those done. So we're actually in process right now to become direct lenders in all those 10 states. And then once we have that done, we'll basically get the merchant out of the equation. We we really don't like the fact that we're in this bridge state for the merchant, really. You know, they, they don't want to be part of a financial transaction. That's one of the reasons they like to outsource it to us. And so that's why we're trying to get that knocked out. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, as obviously to get to market, you, you probably did, you know, what, what you had to do. And then you can kind of use that data to get a realistic point of view of where to transition to. Exactly. Uh, it's really semantics. It, it, in the actual function of the product, it doesn't change state by state. It's the same exact feel and look and you know, everything for the consumer and for the merchant. It's just behind the scenes, there's this transfer of a essentially a loan agreement that happens in 10 states. But in, once we get those registrations completed, which I think probably by the end of the year, we'll be flipping those over so that those are direct relationships as well. And so you carry uh, the consumer's financial information as well. So let's say they wanted to check out with Sezzle and did, didn't want to have a, a lending, I guess, uh, option. Were they able to pay up front as well at, at the point of checkout? No, but what they can do, I mean, we're, we're definitely thinking about that. Yeah. Um, they'll give us more of like a PayPal flavor and the option to pay now or pay later. But what they can do is they can pay today and then they can go into their dashboard anytime they want to and just pay off the rest. And we have a lot of consumers that do that. It's really surprising. You know, they just, they view it as like maybe at the moment helping me budget. And then when they, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, get their paycheck coming in, they want to get rid of it and they don't want to have that over their head. So they come in and pay it off. Yeah, of course. And obviously as you build the the relationship with the consumer side, um, you know, that, that trust factor to just, just use you guys as essentially as their, as their facility of payment, whether it's now or later, you know, you built that, uh, that the trust and brand uh, for really? the consumers here. Definitely. And we're thinking about that. I mean, it's not the pay now option is not front and center for us because we just have so much to do right now with the current products, but we've definitely thought about it that over time, the value we bring to the consumers, of course, is purchasing power, but also the simplicity of the checkout. Because what we do is, I think, similar in some ways to what PayPal does. But I think we even take it one step further. If we recognize your device, like it's a device you've checked out with us before on, and we recognize that you're shipping to the same address, we just bring you right to the confirmation screen. Of course, you can opt out of that flow, but most people love it because they just, it just turns into a, a single click type checkout. And the merchants love it, too, because it helps increase conversion. Yeah, I and mean, obviously that's the number one uh, feature for, for, for the merchants. And, and yeah, it's a really interesting idea. So you can basically use um, past transaction history and past uh, trends to be able to auto, uh, optimize all of that. Uh, yeah, and of course, there's a little bit of risk in that, but that's what our job is, is to be the experts in that and understand where, where it's appropriate to offer that option and where, and where we do a poor job and we're the ones essentially taking the hit. But we view it as something that we should do because it makes the experience better for both the consumer and for the merchant. So how do you guys do take on that risk? Is it based on just you know, historical data or is there multiple different pieces that you guys put together to, to determine that? Well, it's actually amazing the amount of data that you can pull in uh, to analyze each situation. So you have you know, consumers, when they sign up, they're giving their email address, some other personal information, their phone number, and, basically, and their shipping address. 
and billing address. And so from all that information, we can pull some more traditional data, some fraud kind of checks, you know, on email and phone, et, et cetera. But then we also have the merchant they're shopping with and the product they're buying and the IP address of where they're shopping from and the fingerprint of the device and, you know, any potentially connected accounts on the shipping address. You, know, you have all these kind of things that you can look at, which makes the fraud and credit analysis really powerful. And, you know, we're, I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg in what we look at because we're a young company, but we know that there's a lot at our fingertips to help improve our fraud detection, our credit analysis, et cetera, and help us deliver more value both to the consumer and to the merchant. Yeah, most definitely. And then to, to you know, for a product like yourself, I assume that you'd have to put multiple partners together at some point to, to be able to, uh, you know, have the, the full force of products. So what type of partners are you working with? You know, you don't have to mention names, but just the different pieces that you have to put together to create a product like you have. Yeah. So on the like fraud and credit side, I think we're, we'd probably be working with some traditional names that people know. And, but we are looking at, so we, we do pull in credit score data. I mean, that's one thing we do look at is not just credit score, but credit file, but a lot of our consumers don't have one, you know? So that's something we're also analyzing is whether that's appropriate because the vast majority of our consumers are under the age of 34 and, so for them, does that work as well? So that's one thing that we're, we're looking at and analyzing. We also pull in data around like ability to pay your mobile bill or potentially your utility bill and others, et cetera. And so that's another kind of area we look at. Uh, and then we also just kind of get the traditional fraud checks and some untraditional fraud checks. I mean, mobile phone number, for instance, is pretty powerful because to get a mobile phone, you've essentially gone through a credit check to get that mobile phone. So that tells us a lot just right there. And it also helps with fraud because it's hard for a consumer to basically flip tons of mobile phone numbers to try to, to pull a scam on a company like ours. So there are a lot of things that help with the situation. And I mean, technology is fun and we're trying to leverage as much as we can. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a really good point. Obviously, use use the resources that you have. You know, the, the, you know, the, the example you just gave with the mobile phone number, just to get a number, you have to go through some, some checks and, and you can utilize that and leverage that data to help you guys get to you know, the, the needs that you have. Um, so what type of geographies are you guys working in today? I know we mentioned uh, you know, heavily here in the U.S., but are you working in other jurisdictions as well? Yeah, so we currently support U.S. shoppers. We're about to launch Canadian shoppers probably in the next couple of months here. And so that's on the shopper side. But on the merchant side, we support a large number of merchants. And we do that because we're able to basically send funds abroad because we think that this, this e-commerce world that we're living in it's also something that's basically driving that the world is getting flatter and it's easier and easier to do cross-border payments. And we think that's exciting because we know that a lot of merchants want to reach U.S. customers and then eventually Canadian customers because this North American customer base, they spend a lot. And these remote or foreign merchants also know that their foreign products have a bit of cachet to this market. And if they can get access into the market they'll work with partners that allow them to do that. So we think that's an important aspect of the business that we have worldwide shops that sell to the U.S. shopper. And we think the U.S. shoppers love it too. And it's a trend that we love to ride because it's going to grow and grow over time. And, you know, it's, it's, you always want to ride the trends that are on the rise if you can. Yeah. So how do you guys go about, you know, getting the interest from merchants outside of the geographies? Do you have certain uh, markets or how do you go and, and get uh, out of country merchants to bring on uh, here in the States? 
Well, they sign up through our traditional sign-up methods. And then we, we have to work with partners that help us analyze. You know, the merchant underwriting is a big part of the picture. Yeah. And of course, when you have foreign merchants coming on board, it's a little bit more difficult to understand their ability. You know, are, are, are they really a valid merchant, essentially? And so we do work with partners that help us take a look at their risk profiles. But then also, many of them are on e-commerce platforms. And those e-commerce platforms help you pull in data. And one of the most important data points is, you know, have they made orders in the past on their platform? Have, have there really been consumers using this merchant? And then also you have really powerful things out there like social. So you can take a look at social, even if merchants in Germany, do they have a lot of social influence and, and do they have a lot of followers? Do they have a lot of interaction on their profile? Do they have great customer reviews? I and mean, customer reviews are electronic nowadays. So whether or not they're in Germany or France or the U.S., you can see a lot about that merchant to understand if they're doing a good job. And so we look at all of those types of aspects when we're underwriting merchants. And so we, we feel pretty comfortable bringing on foreign merchants. And then, of course, the ability to send them funds when the payment occurs is getting easier and easier and easier, too. And so we're able to send them funds from the U.S. to Germany or France. And so they're satisfied that it, the system works well for them. Do you guys have a vision to plug into, let's say, a, a, a platform? So it's an e-commerce platform that connects you to multiple merchants. Do you have oh, looking at that as well? Well, yeah, we've done it. So we've done the traditionals. We, we, you know, we started 15 months ago down this journey, launching product. And we started with the smallest merchants first. So if you're on the smallest, working with the smallest merchants, the e-commerce platforms you go, the go-tos are Shopify and WooCommerce. And then we started to get upsized in our merchants. So we went to Magento. And then we went to Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I think maybe Hybris would be next for us. But now the merchants are starting to get pretty huge. So they can even help build the integration at that point. And, but early on, basically, we had to build a plugin, if that's what you want to call it, like a, yep. a simple system where they basically have to check a box and put in a couple of keys, and then we're on their site. And so that's why these e-commerce platforms do make it pretty easy to grow at a rapid pace. And that's where they help the most. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And then obviously it makes it easier for, for you guys to just get, you know, more in, in, inbound, I guess, demand uh, from the merchants themselves. Yeah, def- definitely. And they, a lot of these smaller merchants have these forums and groups that they take part in. And so once you start to become present on a lot of these small sites, it starts to spread pretty rapidly because the consumers or the, the, the merchant consumers basically talk about products. And that's also why it's such an important thing that you do we execute well and do a good job <laughs> because if you do a poor, a poor job they it also spreads pretty fast and so we're always focused on execution and making sure that we're doing a good job for the merchants yeah of course and like i mentioned you know i, I love what you guys are doing we've been we've been speaking for a little over a year now so i think there's just the the potential is endless for you guys and, and how you're growing so you know it, it was it was great to, to have you on the show today if you could for our listeners what's the best way to get in contact with if they're interested in, in signing up with you well, the best way would be probably to go to our website. They can either set up a demo uh, if they want to see like a merchant demo, or they can just sign up online and then we can onboard them in a you know seamless fashion where basically it's a, a self-service if they'd like to. But we know for larger merchants that they tend to want to see demos and have interactions. So either way, they can do that through our website. Excellent. Well, Charlie, I appreciate you having on today. It's been you know really helpful and, and resourceful information for our listeners. So you know, thanks for joining today. And thanks for your time. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate it. You got it. Take care. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. 
we're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.